I'd like to offer you seven stories uh, to consider, and each of them speaks to particular ways that a soul, a person who is who loves the soul making dhamma, who is switched on intimately and deeply by this work, um, orients to it and thinks about it. And this is really intended for people who are already at home in this soul making dharma framework in its paradigm and practices. And the encouragement is for you to listen to each of the stories and to see which stories or which parts of the stories resonate for you. Um, when we're on retreat, we have the privilege of listening really deeply to ourself. And on retreat, it can be clearer to us what are what is what are we most deeply called to? Um, and so these stories are to give language to that so that we can come back to them when we lose orientation, when we get off track. Um, we recognize that while our call to this work, for many of us, it may be the most intimate thing in our soul. Um, and it may be even persistent in us, kind of, in the background or potentially in the foreground, could even uh, dare to say it might feel fundamental for some of us. And I recognize, we recognize that it doesn't necessarily always call the loudest or occupy the um, airwaves or the bandwidths in our mind that we would like it to. Um, So... Listen to the stories, shape them, um, make them more nuanced or more specific for you, and try a practice of coming back to this story, uh, both for the remembering when we forget about what our soul is most dedicated to, to orient us when we're off track, to give us language and speak specific delineated language for helping us remember what our compass is pointing to with regard to this work and we might also say that these stories can help give contour and shape to a territory that is being made and that is one of the extraordinary things about this work the recognition that we're not only restoring senses of sacredness, but opening and expanding possibilities for sacredness uh, through our participation in perception. And also then the soul-making Dharma framework is very new. And just to recognize that the default center of gravity for tracks in the mind for most of us will not be soulful ways of conceiving of self, other, and world. Um, So practicing with these stories can be skillful in terms of 
laying down new settings, uh, giving the mind other than the default settings of conception, which we know are going to be a big part of shaping and guiding what can, what perceptions can be made and known and seen. So um, I'll read the stories. Please listen to them with as much of yourself as you can bring. Um, all your ways of knowing. So please listen with your body and its bright intelligence. Please listen with your intellect, to your capacity to discern and discriminate many things, including what chimes for you in the stories, what does not chime for you, and how you're recognizing resonance happening through your body and heart and mind. Bring your imagination, bring your spiritual instinct, which I could briefly define as that kind of nose for there's there's something here that's uh there's something more for me here something something for uh i'm I'm onto something here bring your emotional intelligence your heart sensitivities and uh, 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 brightness and anything else I've forgotten of the ways of knowing please bring them all to the table and see what you can make with these stories that will be onward leaving leading to serve what you want to serve and to love what you love okay number one I've just got more my pieces of paper here number one you feel a pull to something you might term a religious sensibility to be a soul in devotion to something more than yourself, that you intuit, that you might name as sacred, but that you do not wish to finally define. And at the same time, your intellect loves and appreciates the critical rationality of the modern and postmodern mind. At best in you, these two loves are uneasy bedfellows, limiting the fullness of your devotion. At worst, they seem to negate each other. You recognize that there is now a territory carved out for you where this religious sensibility and your rational mind are no longer at odds with each other. In fact, you see that the gifts of both of these orientations are needed for you to move further into sacred territory. You desire to give yourself body and soul to this beloved more than you, to dive into this territory and give full license and expression to your religious sensibility. And this prospect thrills your devotional heart. Now I'll read it one more time. Sense your body. Pause the recording if there's particular places where you want to linger longer with the resonances and meaningfulnesses for you. You feel a pull to something one might term a religious sensibility, to be a soul in devotion to something more than you, that you intuit, that you might call sacred, but that which you wish to not finally define and delineate. 
And at the same time, your intellect loves and appreciates the critical rationality of the modern and postmodern mind. At best, in you, these two loves are uneasy bedfellows, limiting the fullness of your devotion. At worst, they seem to negate each other. You recognize that there is now a territory carved out for you where this religious sensibility and your rational mind are no longer at odds with each other. Not only that, you recognize that both of these orientations are needed for you to move further into a sacred territory. You desire to give yourself body and soul to this beloved more than you, to dive into this territory and give full license and expression to your religious sensibility. This prospect thrills your devotional heart. Number two, as a writer, an artist, as a poet, as a musician, as a creative soul or someone who has that leaning, you are attracted to beauty and you recognize beauty as having the capacity to draw souls beyond limited views and into new vistas. You desire to explore beauty, to touch and serve and express this beauty in your formal practice and in your life. You are called by a beauty that beckons you into new territory. Not only the territory of the beautiful, universal qualities of mind, but a beauty where particulars and persons and features and the immediate presentation of a thing are liberated from craving and grasping and recognized as theophanies that make you gasp. You are called to by a depth of beauty that is not simply adornment or consolation in a tough world, but a generative beauty inspiring souls to passionate dedication and devotion. A beauty who, who, as a sister to justice and truth, can know the suffering running through her veins and still shine as a face of the divine. As an artist, a writer, a poet, a musician, a creative soul, or someone with that sensibility, you are attracted to beauty and you recognize beauty as having the power to draw souls beyond limited views and into new vistas. You desire to explore, touch, serve and express this beauty in your formal practice and in your life. You feel called by a beauty that beckons you into new territory. Not only the territory of the beautiful universal qualities of the mind but a beauty where particulars and persons and features and the immediate presentation of a thing are liberated from craving and grasping and recognized as theophanies that make you gasp. You are called to by a depth of beauty that is not simply adornment or consolation in a tough world, 
but a generative beauty inspiring souls to passionate dedication and devotion. A beauty who, as a sister to justice and truth, can know the suffering running through her veins and still shine as a face of the divine. Number three. And just before I read it, if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I bet there's no story for me, or, uh, you know, I bet she doesn't get it quite right for me, or um, just just to be aware of any patterning and uh, self-views that arise in relation to hearing these in... That are endeavouring to point to something very intimate in your heart, you know. So it can, it could bring up a, oh, she hasn't got it quite right, or, um, well, there won't be one for me. But two things: watch your mind, and uh, there are six, seven, uh, five more stories. And if I don't cover exactly the nuance and particularity for you, write your own story. Um, I'm not going to be able to do that. These are pointers uh, for you to shape your own. Number three. You love and can sometimes even be in love with concepts and ideas and conceptual frameworks and thoroughly coherent models of how the mind and perception works. And you love the beauty and gifts of your own bright mind. You love the brilliance of the Buddha's teaching and framework and see its great contribution in addressing suffering. And you recognize in a soul-making dhamma a conceptual framework and practices that that address the particular binds of the crises of our times. Crises of meaninglessness, of ethics, of misplaced desire, of disembodiment, of a paucity of soul, that comes from a confused, numbed and distorted relationship with matter, with bodies, with earth. You now see a way to enter the adventure of practice that is intellectually coherent, that is rooted in the Buddha's teaching of emptiness and ethics, and that for you addresses the diseases of mind of our times. The heart of your soul is a light with a desire to adventure and a desire to serve. You love and can even sometimes be in love with concepts and conceptual frameworks and models of how the mind and perception work and you appreciate the gifts of your own bright mind. You love the brilliance of the Buddha's framework and see its great contribution in addressing suffering. And you recognize in a soul-making dharma the conceptual framework and practices that address the particular binds of the crises of our times. Crises of meaninglessness, of ethics, of misplaced desire, of disembodiment, of a paucity of soul that comes from a confused, numbed, and distorted relationship with matter, with bodies, 
with worlds, with earth. You see a way to enter the adventure of practice that is intellectually coherent, that is rooted in the Buddha's teaching of emptiness and ethics, and that seems to you to address the diseases of mind of our times. Seeing this, the heart of your soul is alight with a desire to adventure and a desire to serve. Number four. You recognize in a soul-making dhamma, a framework and practice where the fullness, excuse me, where the fullness and specificity of your sexual desire is given a full place on the path and is restored to sacredness. But even more than that, you see your sexual eros can be part of a divine eros, a necessary and important part of the soul-making dynamic. Seeing the direct link between your desire and the making of soul is exciting for you. Seeing the relationship between your sexuality and the possibility of expanding the possibility of the expansion of senses of sacredness. Seeing this inspires love in your heart and inflames your soul. There is more for you to move into here. You recognize in a soul-making dharma a framework and practice where the fullness and specificity of your sexual desire is given a full place on the path and is restored to sacredness. But even more than that, you see your sexual eros can be part of a divine eros, a necessary and important part of the soul-making dynamic. Seeing the direct link between your desire and the making of soul is exciting to you. And seeing the relationship between your sexuality and the possibility that senses of sacrednesses can be opened and expanded. This inspires love in your heart and inflames your soul. There is more here for you to move into. Uh, just a reminder to keep sensing your body and the awareness open to your whole body and the space around your body. As many of the um, bandwidths from subtle sensing of energetics, of uh, sensibilities of transparencies and spaciousnesses and gossamer-like sensitivity right through to the firm and the hard and the dense and the solid, having the whole spectrum available as you listen. Number five, you see the beginnings of a new path for relating to the dukkha that you meet in yourself. A soulful, imaginative way that is still precise, still kind and in line with emptiness, but that for you seems to touch you intimately and personally and include more of you than other ways you have worked with Dukkha before. 
You intuit that there is something about the dukkha that calls you to stretch your narratives of healing, your narratives of awakening and of freedom, that asks more from you. You see and want the possibility for your dukkha to be re-enchanted or to be enchanted, that gives it a place beyond identifying with it, beyond letting it go, or beyond even transforming it into beautiful qualities, where it can be restored to sacredness in a narrative that is rich, that is beautiful, that is meaningful, that is sensitive, that is intelligent, and that is onward leading. The desire for and the intuition of of more beyonds for dukkha, more possibilities with conceiving and perceiving dukkha, together with frameworks and practices that show the way for these more beyonds. Together, these serve to illuminate for you dimensions and meaningfulnesses of your dukkha that make you gasp, that let you see a beauty that you couldn't have imagined before and that make you want to prostrate in praise to what is beautiful to what is intelligent, to what is sacred. You see the beginnings of a new path for relating to the dukkha that you meet in yourself. A soulful, imaginative way that is still precise, kind, in line with emptiness, but that for you seems to touch you more intimately and personally and include more of you than other ways you have worked with dukkha before. You intuit that there is something about the dukkha that calls you to stretch your narratives of healing, your narratives of awakening and of freedom, that asks more from you. You want dukkha to be enchanted, to be ensouled. You want to give it a place beyond identifying with it or letting it go, and beyond even transforming it into beautiful qualities where the dukkha can be restored to sacredness in a narrative that is rich, that is beautiful, that is intelligent, that is meaningful, that is onward leading. Your desire for and your intuition of more possibilities for dukkha and your recognition of a framework and your practices within that framework start to illuminate dimensions and meaningfulnesses of your dukkha, that give meaningfulnesses to your dukkha, that make you gasp and make you want to prostrate in praise to what is beautiful and what is sacred. Number six. You love the depths of emptiness practice. You love it. You feel at home discerning processes of unbinding and binding. And the emptiness of perception is often crystal clear to you. And in the service of who and what you care about and who and what you love and serve, you desire more time to practice, to follow the brilliant, beautiful and logical next step of becoming more skilled, dexterous and bright in participating in the mystery of fabricating, 
self, other and worlds. This prospect ignites your loving desire and your bright heart. You love the depths of emptiness practices. You love them. You feel at home discerning processes of unbinding and binding. And the emptiness of perception is often crystal clear to you. In service to who and what you care about and what you love and serve, you want to practice to follow the brilliant, beautiful and logical next step of becoming more skilled, dexterous and bright in participating in the mystery of fabricating self, other and worlds. This prospect ignites your loving desire and your bright heart. And number seven. In a soul-making Dharma practice, you are encountering some of the magic you knew as a child or that you have seen in a child's soul, where the trees have characters and the cosmos is enchanted and your inner and outer world is sometimes populated by marvellous magical beings. Now you see how maturity does not require a flattening of enchantment. In love with the soul of the world and in service to the next seven generations, you desire to dive further into these worlds for the magic they awaken in you and knowing as you do now that opening, strengthening and developing these enlivened windows of perception is part of healing, is part of the healing of our collective soul. This prospect thrills your imaginative heart. In soul-making practice, you are encountering some of the magic you knew as a child or you have seen or see in a child's soul, where the trees have characters and the cosmos is enchanted and your inner and outer world can be populated by magical beings. Now you see how maturity does not require a flattening of enchantment. In love with the soul of the world and in service to the next seven generations, you desire to dive further into these worlds for the magic that they awaken and knowing as you do now that opening, strengthening and developing these enlivened windows of perception is part of the healing of our collective soul. This prospect thrills your imaginative heart. So please use these stories for your practice as something to come back to. Make them your own. Let them be a beacon when your light fades or has become dim. Let them be a compass when your orientation feels off track. Let them be a skillful practice to give your mind more 
frameworks that support what you want to serve. They give your mind more settings other than the default settings that we inherit and often have as uh, shaping our perception unconsciously. Let them be intimate for you and may they be in the service of restoration of soul, of opening of soul and of the expanding of senses of sacredness for the beauty that this brings for the love and the dimensions of love that it opens and in the service of who and what you want to serve or what you feel called to serve in this life. I'm really happy to be doing this work with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.